It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hey everyone, welcome again to the Pipeline Podcast presented by John Deere. Tim McMaster here along with Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis of MLBPipeline.com. And we're going to get into uh, Jonathan's mock draft that he put out on the site uh, at the end of last week. So we'll go through the the top five, six picks in the draft. Uh, We'll also get into a look back at the 2015 draft because a lot of those players that were taken early on are off to great starts in their first full pro seasons here in 2016. But we're going to start off uh, talking about Jason Groom and also a little bit Tyler Mondial because these two guys went head-to-head in Camden, New Jersey last night. And, Jonathan, you were there for this one. Really a great atmosphere. I think I saw the video, uh, sellout crowd in Camden at the old minor league ballpark there. And they also raised a bunch of money for charity. But let's start with the game itself because both of these pitchers, obviously Groom was the big draw as the potential number one overall pick. But both guys pitched great. In fact, Groom ends up not winning the game, but both guys lived up to the hype, didn't they? Yeah, it's so often is the case where you have this kind of marquee matchup and it ends up being eight to seven, uh, you know, or, or one of the guys walks seven guys and just doesn't look that good. But both of them were on their game. Um, the the crowd was unbelievable. I mean, just far from your typical high school game. And uh, they had set this thing up. They, they both had the same advisor, Jeff Rendazzo. And it evidently was his brainchild that this was on their schedule. They were supposed to play each other. So they moved the game uh, on the schedule, and they put it in this in this minor league ballpark, uh, and they each picked a charity for to go to. And I, you know, I really don't think they had any expectations. The place was packed, so they raised thirty-two thousand dollars, and that was before whatever they made on the concessions. Uh, so you know, sixteen thousand dollars a piece to each of these charities, which is fantastic. And it, it was a great opportunity for for scouts to, to see both guys in that kind of setting. Uh, you know, it's one thing to watch Jason Groom pitch at Barnegat High School, which is, trust me, way out in the middle of nothing. Um, like, you know, I didn't know you could drive that far east and not hit the ocean. Uh, but, uh, you know, to, to see them in that kind of setting, and, yeah, Mundial's not as big of a name, uh, but, you know, he's a, a, a top four or five round kind of guy, so you want to see how he does. And uh, like you said, he won the game one to nothing. It was an unearned run. Uh, and he threw very well. He struck out 10. He's a smaller guy, a little bit of effort, but a really good arm touch, 95 in the first inning. He was really amped up. Uh, kind of emotional on the mound, shows a lot of fire. Uh, you know, Groom's a little more composing. Groom was just ridiculous. So he struck out 14. And, you know, early stage of the game, struggled with command a little bit, a walk here, walk there, left uh, a pitch up. Then he got locked in. He struck out the last eight batters he faced. Um, and it was just stupid, uh, you know, uh, at that level. Uh, the hitters didn't have a chance. They kept trying to bunt on him because it was really the only chance they had. 
Um, and one of the things that we were talking about <clears throat> in the aftermath of the game with people that were there, and, and Jim, I wanted to get your, your take on this because I thought it was sort of interesting because his breaking ball was ridiculous, especially once he got locked in about the fourth inning, right, when he went on that strikeout tear. He was dropping his curveball pretty much wherever he wanted to. Um, and so we were talking about that it was one of the better high school breaking balls that any of us had seen in a long time. And then we were trying to come up with other really good high school breaking balls. Uh, so, you know, Kershaw, uh, Lucas Giolito, and Dylan Bundy were the three that came to mind immediately. Uh, I talked to a scout that mentioned um, this year Braxton Garrett. But I'm wondering, you know, in your, your thoughts on guys over the years, high school breaking balls that were, were as good. I know you didn't see Groom, but you've, you, you know, yesterday, but you've heard about the breaking ball. You know, what, who might compare? Um, you know, I, I guess I, I think a Kerry Wood had a pretty unhittable breaking ball, and I mean that's going back twenty something years. But he, he's the one who, who jumps. He was the first guy I thought of when you said that. You know, Kershaw, yeah. Kershaw had a good breaking ball, but I think people are more giving him credit for what it became a year or two even so down the line. Like I remember his first spring training, I can't remember if it was against the Cardinals or who it was against, where he was just snapping off curveballs to big leaguers in a big league game and you know, it was good, but I don't even think it was that good coming out of high school, or at least not as good as it became. But Kerry Wood's kind of the guy who who really jumps out to me. Great stuff. And, guys, after the game, Groom actually uh, took some time, talked to reporters. Jonathan, you were there. Uh, we had a camera there from MLB.com. So let's take a look at, listen to what uh, Jason Groom had to say about his effort, the atmosphere, and, and everything that was going on in Camden, New Jersey on Monday night. Kind of set the tone. We were 5-8. and eight. You know, I got back, won our first game, came back, finished out 9-9, nine and nine, lost the game, and then we just came back. But... I mean, we're just taking it day by day until the final game is, and we're just going to keep winning. Have you been thinking about where you might go in the draft? Um, yeah, I mean, I've been thinking about it, but like I said, it doesn't really matter to me. I just want to go somewhere where I'm well protected and feel cool comfortable. Would it be cool to play with the Phillies, get selected by the Phillies? I mean, yeah, it would be pretty awesome. I mean, I'm pretty much a hometown kid, but, I mean, I go to Citizens Bank. All, I used to go there all the time for games, but, I mean, it would just be a dream come true to be 1-1. I mean, that would just mean that all the hard work paid off. And I don't really go out there and just light up the radar guns. I just go out there and execute my pitches, and it pretty much works. So I'm happy with my performance I had tonight. I think as far as my command goes, I think that's pretty cool, but or it's pretty good. But i got to show a little bit more depth on my changeup. I mean, I'm not really getting out in front of it. Left a couple high today, but, I mean, they fouled it off. They didn't really make me pay. But later on down the road, i got to get that good depth on it. At the Maple Zone, that's where we train. I always see them up there. We were talking about it. You know, our, t our teams won it. We played last year and they won, but I mean, there was a little bit more confidence when you have me on the mound. All right, so from a pitcher who could end up going number one overall, who knows, he's certainly in the discussion. He's number one on the MLBpipeline.com, top 100 right now. Let's get into the draft and, and the top. We'll go through the top six picks in this draft. Uh, Jonathan had his first mock draft out on Friday. That's, I guess, mock 1.0 uh, as far as we go. And then 
edition number two will be out before we know it. So let's go team by team, guys. And, Jonathan, we started talking to you about Jason Groom, so we'll swing things over, and I'll start with Jim. Uh, the Phillies are at number one, and obviously plenty of, of interesting guys, including Jason Groom, who is a Phillies fan, who said after the game he grew up going to, to Citizens Bank Park for games. But, Jim, who do you like for the Phillies at number one? Well, I think it's still wide open, but I still think what I've thought for a while is that the Phillies want it to be A.J. Puck of Florida, the lefty who's inconsistent but can show you a mid-90s fastball and a wipeout slider when he's on. You know, he, he he's just so inconsistent, it gets a little bit frustrating. He came off probably his best back-to-back -back starts of the year at the end of April, and right before Jonathan did his first mock, he went to Tennessee and walked six guys and didn't get out of the fourth inning. Came back last week, pitched well and a loss to Vanderbilt. Uh, interestingly, they have not won any of his last four starts, but he struck out 11 and in six innings. He's got a regular season start left and a SEC conference tournament uh, start left before the draft. I think unless he he just goes backwards, you know, and it's far from a lock. I think that's the Phillies guy at one. Jonathan. Yeah. I, uh, I'm so I'm, I still, I'm going back and forth. Um, you know, it does sound like they are leaning bad. I, you know, I had Lewis as their number one pick. I, you know, I still think if puck finishes strong, they could flip that. Um, you know, not that they're going to base it all on just a few starts, but uh, you know, it's like what Jim said, he had those back-to-back -back starts. If he had just kept that going, I don't think we would be having a conversation about them switching. But, you know, the, the Phillies are kind of running all over the place looking at all sorts of options, and including, you know, Mickey Moniak and Blake Rutherford, two high school outfielders in Southern California, and that would be a cut a deal, uh, maybe look to spend aggressively with their pick at 40 kind of thing. Um, but, uh, and it's, I, but I think that speaks more to the uncertainty uh, of what's at the top than anything else. All right, so the Phillies are number one. Up after that is the Cincinnati Reds, and obviously who they pick probably depends a lot on who's off the board from the Phillies at one. But, Jonathan, who do you like for the Reds at two? Well, if Lewis goes one, uh, you know, in my mock I had A.J. Puck at two. Uh, I know he is in their, their group uh, that they're they're looking at, they probably have some of the the same concerns that uh, that the Phillies or, or anybody has. Um, you know, they could also look uh, bat. Uh, Nick Senzel would probably be next on their list. Um, I also had heard that uh, uh, they're looking at Delvin Perez, the the high school shortstop out of Puerto Rico, as a as a possible deal at two. So uh, you know, I think those are the three names along with Kyle Lewis, you know, so it's Puck, Senzel, Lewis, and Perez are the, are the four guys that the Reds are considering. So if Lewis comes off the board, I'll stick, you know, for now with what I had uh, on Friday, which is Puck going number two overall. And I'll kind of keep it simple. I, I kind of agree with Jonathan. Uh, I think they would take Puck if he were there. Um, yeah, you know, I, I guess if I keep it simple, I guess what I would do is if, if Puck goes one, I would go Lewis two, and if Lewis goes one, I would go Puck two. I've also yep. heard Senzel and Perez there, but I think it's probably Puck or Kyle Lewis. If, if Puck is gone, 
I don't really see them taking the high school pitcher, whether it's it's Jason Groom or Riley Pine or any other college pitcher. I think if Puck is gone, they're taking one of the hitters, and I would probably you know lean college a little bit more than high school and say it would be Lewis. All right, after the Reds, it's the Braves picking third, uh, and the Braves have obviously added so much to that system in the last year or so. Who are they going to add at number three, Jim? Well, I think this is where it's hard to keep it simple because hmm. I, I think, it, you know, Puck Lewis or Lewis Puck, okay, I've kind of talked myself into that, although I, I do reserve the right to change that before I file my, my mock draft 2.0 for, for Friday. You know, I think there's all kinds of guys in play here at three. I think this is the highest spot we could see the top two players on the MLB pipeline rankings, Groom or Pint, go, but I don't think it's a lock. I think you, you hear a lot of talk about how they want a college bat, and I hear differing opinions as to which college bat they like the most. Depending on who you talk to, you can hear, you can really hear that it's Lewis, or you can hear that it's Corey Ray, or you can hear that it's Nick Senzel. So I think all of those guys are in play as well. Um, you know, and, and I'd even throw in. You know, you you hear you know more longer shots, but it could be somebody like uh, you know a Josh Lowe or a Braxton Garrett that that might be the you know I don't think they're going to go that high, but you know it, it's not out of the realm of possibility. So I think it's wide open. I have no idea who I'm going to project on Friday at this point right now. Come on. Uh, well, I know I got to pick somebody. I, I guess if I'm going Puck one, Lewis two, I think I might. Go Nick Senzel, who's been on a little bit of a power tear recently and hit a long home run off A.J. Puck two weeks ago. You know, I would go Nick Senzel, but I feel like that one's pretty wide open. It is. It is. I'm, you know, I, I'm giving you a hard time, but uh, it is a hard one. I had Jason Groom going three. Um, they had just about everybody at that game last night um, to watch him. And that's not surprising. He's still very much in their mix. But, you know, there is that pull for a college hitter to get someone there faster. Um, you know, everyone knew they were rebuilding, but the amount they struggled, there might be some pressure to, to get someone that's perceived to be a, a guy that would get to the big league quick. So, um, and if, uh, if I were going to pick one of the college bets, I would, I would pick uh, Senzel over, over Ray for them at three, but I will, for the sake of argument, stick with Jason Groom at three based on the presence that they had there, and he was obviously really, really good. All right, number four, Jonathan, Colorado Rockies. Go ahead. I like how we – that was my big sigh. I like how we, we're talking about the top like there's certainty when there really isn't, but it gets right. you know, more and more confusing. As it, you know, I had Mickey Moniak at four for the Rockies early on um, – and, and, Jim, tell me if you can corroborate this. All the talk early on was that, oh, the Rockies are looking for pitching. They're looking for pitching. They're looking for pitching. Uh, you know, the only pitcher to me that makes sense at four is Riley Pint. And I don't know if they want to, you know, unless Jason Groom is there. And I don't know if they're interested in either one of them. Uh, I don't have a, a strong sense. Um, so I had them taking Moniak, who has much uh, uh, helium. There you go, Tim. Um, as just about anybody uh, of late. So I'll stick with Moniak at four just because I don't, I don't have a real good feel for them going for a, an arm as earlier advertised. 
And I'm kind of looking at the same thing. I think, uh, you know, if we see, like, in my scenario that I've laid out here where it's Puck, Lewis, Senzel going one, two, three, I think it comes down to, to Groom and Pint versus Moniac. You know, again, I, I, I sigh. I'm, I'm trying to think how I'm going to plot all this out between now and Friday. I would probably lean to give them one of the pitchers, and Jonathan can attest to this. When you're doing mock drafts, you have you, know, you get to point two where you need to get players off the board, even if you aren't sure exactly where they're going to go. I, my guess is I will be tempted when I do this to give them one of the high school pitchers. I, I don't really feel like I've got uh, a, a great sense as to whether they prefer Groom versus Pint. Um, so for now, I'll give them Groom since he's the top-ranked player on our board and, and he's left-handed. Hey, you mentioned it, Jonathan, that as you go through this, each pick gets a little harder because you have to base it on who went before and who knows right. if those will actually go correctly. So now we get down to number five, and, and that's the Brewers picking fifth. And, and Jim, you're on, uh, on tap here for this one. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I think this is probably the – Highest spot that Delvin Perez, who who probably has the highest ceiling of any of the high school position players, this is probably the highest spot he, he he has a real good chance of going. I mean, we we've talked about him a little bit earlier, but I think Milwaukee would be more serious. You know, I, I think they'd think about the high school pitch. The high school pitchers are going to be the death of me and Jonathan doing this in this mock draft. Not just with. Groom and Pint being ranked 1-2 on our, our current board and, you know, the industry being skittish of taking high school pitchers. And I, and I don't think there's any way that Philadelphia or Cincinnati takes one of those guys at 1 or 2. And then the fact that, that, that seven of probably the top 15 prospects in, in this draft right now are high school pitchers and they all aren't going to go that high, it's going to be a total pain trying to figure out where to put these guys in, in the draft. But all that said – I could see one of the high school pitchers here, but I, I, I've been hearing a lot of Corey Ray at five. And I think, you know, again, if I had to, if I was chained to my desk here in my home office and had to bang out the mock draft right now, I would probably go Corey Ray to five in Milwaukee. And the re, another reason that kind of makes sense to me a little bit is teams never feel like there's enough college position players. And, you know, there's a clear top three this year in whatever order you want to rank them in. You, you could kind of shuffle them up, Lewis, Ray, Senzel, or, or however you want to lay them out. And I don't think they're going to last on the board too long. So I'm going to go Corey Ray here at five. Interesting. I'm going to stick with Delvin Perez. Now, I have the – throughout the, this whole process that we're doing here now, I have the benefit of the fact that I have a mock already done, <laughs> so I could stick to that script. Um, you know, and I want Jim you is, to rip your mock from Friday, Jonathan, and just anguish over your poor choices made, but, but you're not doing that. <laughs> yeah, you've stayed I, I on point. Because I actually feel free. Part of me wants to just keep this mock and copy and paste, um, you know, because I actually I felt pretty good with how things landed. You know, uh, there weren't too many gaping holes and things like that. And, and uh, you know, Jim mentioned the, the process of going through this, especially – this, you know, four weeks out, the back half can often be ugly, and I actually feel pretty good about this one. So, uh, you know, the Brewers, I know they like Delvin Perez. Uh, Ray Montgomery is a scouting director thus far, seems to like upside. So it makes a lot of sense. Uh, this was the first spot that I heard Josh Lowe as a possibility, and uh, the, the one sort of pop-up guy who I didn't have going this high, but I had heard in terms of this neck of the woods being brought in for uh, workouts is Taylor Trammell. 
Um, and that would be a deal, obviously, up that high uh, to, you know, to, the, to the outfielder from Georgia. But uh, I'll stick with, with Delvin Perez uh, there for, for the time being. All right, and uh, we're going to stop things at number six. So one more decision for you guys to make, and I'll start with you, Jonathan. If you stick to that script that you want to do, you have Nick Senzel yep. on your mock draft going to the A's at six. Yeah, I'll double down on that. I have All no right. problem. That I, I think Jim will probably even agree that if Senzel is there at six, uh, that that might be the guy. Now I think I will totally disagree with you when I get to speak. So <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> Well, please jump in right now. You, you, well, I, I was just going to say, I mean, you hear that a lot. So, I mean, it's not like you're out on the limb, but you know, I, I've seen people write, oh, it's clearly the floor. They have 8 million infielders. All their best prospects, almost all of them are infielders. They've got Matt Chapman, who is not moving off of third base. I just don't think Nick Senzel is the lock that people think he is, and I'm – I cannot claim that I have stalked Eric Kubota, the ace scouting director, and followed him around this spring well, because should. I have not. I do not think Eric Kubota has seen Nick Senzel yet. And I would find, I mean, obviously, you know, the SEC tournament is coming up, but I would just find it hard to believe that, that Nick Senzel can be the lock at six that is being written about if the scouting director hasn't even seen the guy play this year. So I, I'm not – I mean, a lot of people seem to think that. So you're not out on a limb, Jonathan. But I, I just don't think that's the lock people think it is. Yeah, I, I don't I'm know that it's going to say a lock. I just think that's the board before then anyway. So. That's, I, I just think it's a likely scenario that if, he's, if he's there. I mean, and they're, they're looking at, you know, all the guys. I mean, in my mock, I had Corey Ray going after – um, I know they like Braxton Garrett if they wanted to go high school. Um, uh, you know, I think they're, they're looking at a bunch of those high school guys. If Moniak were there, Blake Rutherford. You know, there's a, probably about seven or eight guys that they could possibly be considering who could all be there at six for them. Um, and then, you know, Zach Collins, the Miami catcher, uh, that's the highest I've heard his name at all. But I, I think he's a plan B for several teams uh, in the sort of – back half of the top ten. And Jim, I think you already had Senzel off the list, right, at this point? I, yeah, I did, so okay. it would make it even easier for me not to have to deal with that whole situation. <laughs> I, I think I have gone Puck, Lewis, Senzel, Groom, Ray. Um, yeah. I, I do think they'd be in the mix for, for Corey Ray if he was there. I've heard the same thing on Collins, although that's probably a little bit too high. I kind of like the idea of Mickey Moniak here. Um, if he doesn't go higher, say, to Colorado, um, he'd be, you know, the, the A's do not have a lot of, of athletes in their system. I think he'd be a nice fit. He, he, he's a floor and a ceiling guy because Mickey Moniak's going to hit and he can play up the middle and he can run and he's got a little bit of power. I would be very tempted to take him regardless of whether I was the A's, if he and Senzel were both on the board, I, you know, I think you can make a case. If you think Moniak's a center fielder, I think most people do, and you don't think that Lewis or Ray's a center fielder, you could maybe talk yourself into Moniak as the best position player in the entire draft, um, and you could be right. Um, the other name is kind of a sleeper. You know, I'll throw in a helium. I, I think, Tim, you're, you're the last person to use the word helium, so you have to take a drink here. But, <laughs> I just um, used it 40 seconds yes, ago. Thanks did. for listening. Oh, well, I'm sorry. I was trying to formulate my pick. I was <laughs> trying to focus. I have to take a drink, apparently. Anyway, the guy, who, the guy who I hear has a lot of helium, you know, another one of these high school pitchers, 
Don't be surprised if Matt Manning sneaks into the, the, the top six or ten picks. I've heard him with Oakland a little bit, and I've heard, you know, they've had a lot of guys go see Josh Lowe, too. So I, I will go with Mickey Moniak uh, in this scenario, but that that's one where, you know, that really could be one, too, where, you know, they have their guys lined up, they just figure out which one falls to them ahead of them. You know, it's, I, you know like I said, though, I, I just, I'm not – I'm not all in on this. It's Nick Senzel if he's there because I just don't think you, you don't draft for need at six. But there's comparable players who who would be better fits for them. I think. All right, and we will see the uh, mock draft 2.0. Will be uh, it's Jim Callis's turn. That'll be out on Friday, and we will go for there as we uh, are quickly approaching the start of the 2016 draft. All right, so let's transition from this year's draft to last year's draft and. Last year's draft, at least at the top and, and through the first round, it, it was certainly the year of the shortstop. And there's, you wonder always in that first year of pro ball if guys are going to struggle a little bit adapting to pro ball. Well, when you look at the top of the draft from a year ago, certainly not the case because we'll start with the top three guys, of course, all those, those shortstops, and they are all off to great starts this season. Uh, let's start with Dansby Swanson, guys. Uh, up to double A already. Uh, combined, he's over 300 on the season. No disappointment and no surprise, right, Jonathan? Why don't you start on Swanson? No surprise that he's doing what he's doing in the minors. No, I mean, you could make the argument that it was a surprise they didn't just start him in double-A. But, you know, it was good to get him. He got 21 games in A-ball, uh, you know, showed that he was more than capable there. And has moved up and... You know, not that this is surprising, but you know what really stands out. I mean, it's his first full year. He's in double-A. Uh, he's walked more than he's struck out. 23 walks and 20 strikeouts in 37 games, 138 at-bats. Um, that that's bodes well uh, for avoiding any, any slumps. Uh, not Again, not surprising. He, he's showing some extra base pop. Um, he's stealing some bases. Uh, you know, he's... Uh, going to continue to push them as a guy that everyone knew could move really quickly and he has been uh, as advertised which is pretty darn good jim yeah no i mean he's he's been i think what we thought he was going to be you know hit for average gap power control the strike zone steal bases play a solid shortstop uh you know, it's amazing how productive you can be when Yohan Lopez isn't quick pitching you and hitting you in the face in a simulated game. But <laughs> you know, on, since he recovered allegedly. from that, uh, he's pretty much hit everywhere he's been and, and handling double-A quite easily. Yeah, and, and the Braves Braves fans need some good news here uh, with the, the start they're off to. And, and today, as we record this today, that Freddy Gonzalez has been uh, let go as manager. So there is some good news on the horizon. There's actually more than just Dansby Swanson, but certainly uh, a future star it certainly looks like in Atlanta uh, in the near future. All right, the number two pick in the 2015 draft was the Houston Astros. They went with Alex Bregman, and Jim, Alex Bregman is really hitting the ball, not just for average, but power as well at double-A. Yeah, I'd say he's been better than advertised. He missed a little time with a hamstring injury, but he's got eight homers in 24 games, went to double-A to start the year. He's hitting 330. He's got a Ops of nearly, uh, you know, it's over 1,100, one of the best ops in the, in the minor leagues. Uh, you know, you see, yeah, he, I think that guy's still underrated by, by fans in general. I actually heard from a lot of Astros fans who couldn't believe that I ranked him ahead of A.J. Reed when I did our Astros top 30. Mm -hmm. and, and I like A.J. Reed a lot. We've talked about him on the podcast, but 
I just think Alex Bregman is a special hitter. I think he can play. Uh, you know, he can get the job done at shortstop. He, he's not going to play there in Houston because of Carlos Correa. I think he'd be a great fit at second, and you've obviously got Jose Altuve. I think he's their third baseman of the future, and I think that future is going to happen even quicker than expected. I know Colin Moran got promoted shortly before we recorded this, and he may start to usurp some playing time for Luis Valbuena. But I think Alex Bregman is Houston's third baseman of the future. I don't know how you feel, Jonathan, but I think they're comparable hitters. Bregman's got more power. He's a quicker, He's a much better athlete and defender and quicker runner and plays with more energy. I don't. And I, I mean, Colin Moran's a good prospect, and he was the number six overall pick, and they traded for him. And there's talk that if the Astros hadn't taken Mark Appel with the number one overall pick in 2013, they would have taken Colin Moran over Chris Bryant, which. Obviously, would not have worked out well, but I, I don't think Colin Moran does anything as well as Alex Bregman, and I mean that as a compliment to Alex Bregman and, and not a knock on, on Colin Moran. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think Colin Moran has the chance to be uh, a solid big leaguer. I think Alex Bregman has a chance to be a, a dynamic impact type player wherever he ends up playing. Um, you know, he, he, he and another team could be. Uh, you know, an everyday second baseman. Now, maybe if you see Moran really establishing himself, uh, maybe Bregman moves to left field. Um, I know that has been talked about. What's really impressed me with what he's done offensively, I saw him in spring training, and he was, he was changing uh, his setup at the plate uh, to, to try to change his timing. Um, which he admitted was a little bit off uh, compared from you know, when he was in college. Um, you know, enough you, you do things like that during the offseason and spring training, but he expected some transition period. Uh, but I guess it clicked, um, and he has swung to that exceedingly well, and it, it's looking like he is going to put up the kind of offensive numbers that would work just fine at, 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 at third base if that ends up being where he goes. Swanson and Bregman are, are guys from obviously major college programs and no surprise that they're already up at the AA level a year after being drafted. Brendan Rodgers obviously from the high school ranks, the number third pick of the Rockies, um, and so therefore he's obviously not as far along. But, man, the adjustment for a high school player, you talk about uh, hitting almost 350 right now, uh, seven home runs as we record this. Jonathan, he is... I guess after maybe a little disappointment when he first got a taste of pro ball after being drafted, no disappointment this year. Well, that's why that first summer you kind of have to throw out numbers. Now, you know, if you have a really, really good debut, it may help, especially if the college guy uh, catapult him onto a, more of a fast track. But for a high school kid, first time away from home, um, you, you don't worry about it uh, too much. Um, one of the things that I, you know, keep checking on, really, really good home park for hitters in Asheville. And his numbers in Asheville are ridiculous, 388, 461, and a 701 slugging. His away numbers aren't as good, but they're not bad. 302 average, 353, and 492. So it's not like he's not hitting. Now, you know, so it's something just to keep an eye on because there have been guys who put up ridiculous numbers in Asheville. Uh, so it is good to see uh, that he is uh, 
hitting away from home as well. Um, strikeout rate isn't terrible. Uh, you know, I think there's some concern that there would be some swing and miss. He's drawing some walks, uh, which is also good to see for for a guy who's, you know, doesn't turn 20, turns 20 in August. Um, so yeah, I think everything that he has done is uh, what they could have hoped for when they when they pushed him to a full season assignment. And I think even aside from performance too, which has been very good, and as you noted, uh, you know, benefits from Nashville's Park. You know, I think the biggest thing the Rockies were hoping to see out of out of Brendan this year is just that he was better prepared for the pro grind. He, he had trouble adjusting to playing seven days a week. He had a series, nothing too major, but just kind of repeated leg injuries and, and missed about half of his pro debut last year when he was in the Pioneer League. And he spent a lot of the offseason working out, uh, you know, getting in the best shape of his life, uh, you know, preparing to, to play a 140-game season. And he's held up very, very well. Uh, you know, he, he looked great in spring training, and he's off to a good start right now, too. Um, and so I think, you know, aside from the performance, they're pleased that he's been able to go out there and play on an everyday basis. So those were the top three picks, Swansea, Bregman, and Rogers, a year ago. Do you guys have someone else from that, uh, from that first round that's really stood out to you in their first full pro season? Because I know there's a lot of guys off to good starts. To me, and I'll, I won't. I won't. There's about six guys, but to me, the, the guy who jumps out is Andrew Benintendi, who was the seventh overall pick. Uh, I'd be very curious if they redid the draft today, how high he'd go. I mean, he. I think everybody's pleased with their picks so far, but I don't even know if he'd last seven picks. He's already in Double A. He's hit everywhere he's been. I mean, he's. This year, he's got crazy stats where he almost has as many triples and steals as he does strikeouts. He's hitting for average. It's been more gap power. The home run power is going to come. I mean, he led the NCAA in homers last year. He's played a good center field. You know, Andrew Benatendi, you, know, you look at these other guys, and, you know, Alex Bregman can find a spot, whether it's at third base or, or the outfield or, or pushes Carl Moran to the outfield. And Dancy Swanson and, and, and Ozzy Albies will, will be double play partners in, in Atlanta, so Swanson will wind up at shorter second. You know, where are they going to jam Benintendi into that Red Sox outfield? That'll be interesting to see. And he might be ready, you know, by opening day next year at the rate he's going. I mean, he he is not slowed down, and he is torn the cover off the ball everywhere he's been so far in, in his brief pro career. How about you, Jonathan? Who's the guy? Benintendi, obviously, already up to double A, has been very impressive. That just recently happening. Who do you like from that first round? So from the first round... You can take a second rounder if you want, too. I was just, you know... No, I'll stick with the first round. (laughs) I mean, you know, Kristen Stewart is kind of an interesting guy. Uh, You know, he's... The Tigers, you know, got him uh, at the very end of the the first round, and everyone talked about the power, but uh, will he hit enough? And he's, you know, he's racked up some strikeouts. He's got 40 strikeouts already. He's only hitting 257, but uh, the reports about his his power uh, were not uh, exaggerated. And I remember I was in Tigers camp this spring, and they were talking about early on in spring before minor league camp had officially opened, he was just crushing the ball. And he is in Lakeland still in the Florida State League, which, mind you, is a pitcher's league. He leads the minors in homers. He's got 13 homers so far. He's slugging 603. Um, so, 
he's got a lot to watch the strikeout totals. Um, he's you know he's walked 23 times also, so that helps. He may never be the kind of guy who hits for for a ton of average, but that is some serious power uh, uh, in a in a league that normally does not see those kinds of power numbers. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. You know, if he's still putting up the power numbers, I have to think that he gets bumped up to double A maybe for the second half. Uh, the swing and miss, you know, they probably want him to get enough reps uh, before they try to, to push him and challenge him with that assignment to the Eastern League. But uh, he's kind of an interesting guy uh, because that's one of those tools that uh, everyone, you know, wants to, to have, and it's kind of hard to come by that in-game power. And so far he's been showing that he has uh, more than enough of it. Great stuff, guys, as always. Make sure you check out Jim Callis's mock draft coming up on Friday. Of course, all your prospect news on MLBPipeline.com. This has been the Pipeline Podcast presented by John Deere for Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis. I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next week.